Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast. We're excited to give you a special weekly Upside Down Christmas Advent Series, an initiative of Care Impact. Every week until the new year, we'll explore the flip side of hope, peace, love, and joy, and how everyday people find these gifts in some of life's most difficult moments. So grab a hot cup of your favorite drink, sit by the proverbial fire as we journey through Christmas with care. Thank you for joining the Journey with Care podcast. We're here actually in our new studio, a camper trailer situated in the midst of a bunch of snow. So if you hear any background noise, it's just Canadians cleaning their driveways with the snowblower, which is perfect for our Advent series that we are starting today. And with me here today, we have a very special guest, our very own Deborah Ekpenidwa. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Well, Deborah, you and me are personally connected. You've joined our family, actually. So this is very special to have you here on our very first episode for Advent. So our guests are actually in for a treat. I hope every one of you listening is going to be following us every Friday leading up to Christmas. We are having a special mini series of Upside Down Christmas and Deborah. You are our very first guest, so I'm so grateful for you. Yes, I'm so honored to be here, and I'm excited to get started. For our first Advent weekend, we're focusing on hope. And there was a special reason why I invited you for this word alone, and I knew that Canada needed you to share your story. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Deborah? Um, My... Life has been a roller coaster. Um, I was born in Nigeria and I immigrated here about six years ago. And whew, it's 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 a long story, but my childhood was a very rough one. I went through a lot of domestic abuse. And I guess as a child, I was just looking for a way out. And honestly, being in Canada is a miracle because we couldn't afford it. And the way things just worked out, God just had his hand all over it. Even coming here, the process of healing and trying to figure things out and live normally, um, despite the trauma and the abuse and PTSD from what I went through, it, it's been challenging. And just for some context, you came here as a brave 16-year-old to start life on your own and going to university. So audience, we've got some brains here. She went to university at 16, but what was that like to come here on your own and why? Well, it was very hard. Growing up, I remember as a kid witnessing the abuse that went on in our house. I would always pray and ask God to rescue me and take me out of that place. And when um, the opportunity finally presented itself, I held on to it with everything I had because it was a way better option than what I was experiencing. And when I came here, I guess the psychological aftermath of my childhood started to take a toll on me. Uh, I didn't know I was experiencing PTSD. I didn't know what anxiety attacks or panic attacks was. I didn't really know anyone or have any family or friends. I actually had social anxiety, also something I didn't know. 
And it was hard uh, making friends or getting out of my own head. A lot of what was said to me when I was younger or what I experienced would replay in my head. And it was some sort of self-sabotage where everyone was just leaving. And, and it felt like I, I was under some sort of curse or like I was the problem. And So you felt abandoned. Yeah, I was alone most of the time crying in my dorm room. <laughs> for, Here in Winnipeg as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For years up until... My mom and brother eventually came to Canada. And even after that, it got way worse. <laughs> yeah. And so then you were here a few years. And had I known, I would have said, come to mama. Uh, we just, this is a, a message to our Canadians. We just often don't know who the hurting are and what the circumstances are. We just don't know. And I wish I could have prevented that. And what a lovely girl you are in our home. It must have been overwhelmed with social anxiety to come into a family of 10 <laughs> or nine plus you. But then your mom and brother came and were part of your story here. And there were other challenges that came with that. And even this year, are you open to sharing some of that? Sure. Um, so my mom and brother came about three years ago. And actually, I was very scared of her coming because Growing up, the very evident abuser was my was my father, and I always thought like I had to protect my mom from what he was doing. But as I grew up, I eventually realized that she was also a partaker and a perpetrator of the abuse, and I realized I needed to protect myself. And I feared that if she came here, it would be Nigeria all over again. And I was terrified. Even when she came, my my fear came to reality because my relationship with my mom was not good at all. It was very um, hostile and overcritical. And I, I just found myself trying to look for her validation and approval, which never happened. And um, it was it was around that time I was very suicidal as well. Um, I didn't have any other voice talking to me to balance out the negative. So what was it like? Tell me, help me understand. What was it like to feel no hope to the point of looking for ways? You've described what you did going on the bus, right? Yeah. What was it like to feel that lack of hope? It felt like I was a mistake. It felt like I wasn't supposed to be here. It felt like life was going on without me and everyone else had it figured out. And I was just living under this curse or shadow and, and I was just not supposed to be here. So I thought the, the solution was to take myself out of it. And it was also around the time I encountered Jesus, but it's, it's not a place I ever want to be in again. Yeah. So when you were feeling no hope, that's when you encountered Jesus? Yes. And what, what was that like? So again, no friends, no family. And I remember I honestly felt and believed in my heart that God didn't love me and he wanted nothing to do with me. And I was to the point where each time I would try to you know, go through with suicide, I, I kept thinking of 
eternity and hell and heaven. And I, I believe that. I don't know why. I definitely feel like God put eternity on my heart each time I attempted. And I just got to a point where I was like, God, even if you don't love me, even if I'm not good enough, even if I'm not like, you know, the other Christians who are perfect and, you know, you love, I'm still going to hold on to you. Even if I have to sleep on the streets in heaven and not have a mansion, I just wanted, I wanted a relationship with God. I wanted a father. I wanted someone who saw me. I wanted, I didn't want to be invisible anymore. And yeah, I encountered God in my room. I thought I was actually going to, <laughs> going to die because of the intensity of what I was experiencing. And I remember a couple weeks after that, I heard his voice for the first time. I'm not even sure it was audible. It was so clear. It shocked me a little. And he called me his child. And that has stayed with me ever since. Wow. And you and I, we met in June, right? We didn't know each other, uh, but we had a mutual connection. And somebody reached out to us and said, there's this girl, Debbie, they called you. Um, that needs an apartment. Do we know of anything? And we we work through Care Portal and all kinds of things. We have some connections. So it was a natural thing for them to reach out. But I remember feeling this tug saying, Deborah doesn't need an apartment. She needs family. And so we met on on Zoom that very day or the next day. It was the day after your graduation from university. And that Zoom call ended, what are you having for dinner? And we had dinner together. I said, we're cooking anyway. Come for dinner. And we didn't know it would evolve to be family. Yeah. And you have come through such a rough, rough year with your mom passing through natural causes, but still an untimely death and separation from your little brother moving into our home. There's been so much grief and loss and PTSD that follows us wherever we are, right? Those don't end when you come into a new home. So why is hope a very real thing for you today, this Christmas? What does hope look like right now? Jesus. Mm. Ever since I encountered him, he's, he's been my escape because things have not been easy at all. Even up until the point of my mom passing, I, I don't know if anyone remembers what it was like coming to the faith for the first time, but mine was chaotic. Mm. I experienced so much spiritual attacks. And I'm not just talking, oh, your car breaks down in the middle of the road or you're having a bad day. I'm talking like fear for my life type attacks, um, really intense spiritual attacks and also, my family, my mom and brother, it wasn't good either. The abuse continued and I didn't have any friends and I was working and, you know, trying to keep the house together and do the right thing and forgive my parents. And it was just, it was a lot. And Jesus was the only thing that kept me hanging on and pushing and even when my mom passed this year, I fell apart. I, I, I didn't know how to handle grief. No one, nothing, nothing I experienced throughout my life could ever 
prepare me for the pain of grief. It's worse than anything I could have ever imagined. And I remember the night it happened and I couldn't sleep and I just felt this pain in my chest. And I'm not not talking like emotional pain, like physically my I was in pain and I was wreathing in my bed and crying, telling God I couldn't do it anymore. That upon, you know, the spiritual attacks didn't stop. It was worse than ever. Trying to deal with the financial repercussion of someone passing. And um, Jesus has just been my image of hope. And there have been moments up from the time she passed till I think about a month ago, I, I actually stopped praying because I couldn't. I felt so exhausted to, and tired. I didn't have the energy. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray about it anymore. I, I would just sit in my room and cry. And um, God has just been faithful. He is. What does that faithfulness look like? What's the tangible evidence of God's faithfulness? His word. His his promises, his presence. I remember going to church um, for the first time with you guys in a while, and um, I attended this weekend um, event, prayer event that we're having. And at that point, I I still wasn't praying. I I didn't know what was happening, and the attacks were still going on. And I remember we were all praying over each other, and like person after person, they were seeing visions and prophesying over me and telling me that God wants me to know that he loves me and that, that I'm not alone and that I'm not fighting this battle alone and that he doesn't want me to be hopeless. He wants me to have hope and keep trusting in him. In fact, that entire week, God was just speaking. Because I remembered in his word that, you know, he's, he, he gives his angels charge over us to protect us. And I remember asking in my head, like, where are these angels that are supposed to be protecting me? And that that weekend prayer event, this random girl I met said that God revealed to her a vision that he has angels fighting with me and I'm not on my own. And the fact that I didn't even think the thought out. I didn't say the thought out loud and he answered just showed how very real and close he is and even personally in my life I remember each time I would try to read the word a number of verses would always come to mind and to the point where I thought oh I'm just like making things up because each time I asked the Lord for you know what to read I'm always like thinking of the same verses over and over and over and over and I don't know if you, you mind me sharing some of them. Um, yeah, share something. Okay, so um, the first one, the first one is from Jude um, chapter one, verse twenty-four. At this point, I I feared that I would fall away because of how much attacks I was getting. I, I feared that I would give up and the enemy would snatch me away from God, and he would always bring this verse to me, like each, every single time I asked him to, to lead me to something that his heart was speaking to me. And the verse says, now to him 
who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. And it just solidified hope for eternity. And for me, that believing in Jesus is not just believing that he died and he, ro- he rose again. It's entrusting your life in his hands. It's entrusting your soul, your future, your eternity. That he, he just didn't die and r- r- rise, you know, again on the third day. That his sacrifice was um, tangible. Like you're not negating the power of the cross and that you can say, I I completely trust my life, my soul, my everything to this man. And I know that I will be safe. I know that I will make heaven. I know that he will be with me even to the end of the age. And that has been a symbol of hope for me. Right there, you verbalized why you need to come and speak on hope. So often we think of hope as this rainbows and unicorns and Jesus, hallelujah. And, and there's a lot of good things. And many people have an easier life than you that can celebrate that. But hope, what you just described, when you're not feeling it and only God, when you say Jesus, that's what I see in you. That's why when this upside down Christmas, we often think hope needs to be just something fluffy. But it's actually something when we do not have it, that's when hope enters in, when God can be your everything. Yeah. I also can't help but notice now that you are part of our family, those very hopeless feelings, those times when you've been feeling really low, it doesn't matter if you have food, shelter, people that love you. It doesn't take away from that hopelessness sometimes that you you have to, to battle through, right? Yeah. What I've noticed is that when people in our lives feel like all hope is gone, I did see you reaching out to Jesus in a very true and authentic way. But I also saw God calling me to hope for you, to advocate for you, to when you didn't have hope, to be part of God's hope in your life, to help work together because we are created in community. And hope is not an insular one person thing, right? We pursue hope together. I'd like you to talk to our listeners. Those who are wanting to find hope, those are who are in those places that it feels like they're losing their grip on hope. What would you say to them? And also, what would you say to those who are wanting to help others that are in hopeless situations? They truly want to care. We're just not sure how. Um, first of all, I love that you brought up community because God has really shown me like the importance of community, like heaven would be a huge community of Jesus lovers. And we can't go through this world alone. It's it's impossible. We cannot do it. And even like most of my life I've been a loner. And with my mom passing and trying to figure things out and the spiritual attacks, God has shown me that I, I need community. I need a place to be planted. I need people who will help me grow. 
And most people in the church don't realize how really important it is to be involved and care and ask questions and follow up. Most of the times we just sit in the church and say our hellos and goodbyes and like see each other till we don't see each other till next week. But just as in the early church in the book of Acts, they they didn't leave each other's side. They were always communing and, and praying together every single day, even at a particular time, caring for the widows and, and the orphans. We need that, especially in the times we are and in the age to come, the end times, we need to be tight-knit and to be able to support. So I, I feel like you should just be willing to to listen to people's stories and hold back judgment and just be present. Offer help. Do you need help with something? Or you don't even need to offer. Show up. It means a lot because most of the people that are going through so much, they don't have it in them to ask for help. They don't know how to do it. And yeah, I just feel it's very important to to show up for people. It, it means a lot. And um, for people who are struggling to have hope, there's so many things going on in this world that can take away hope from people. But based on personal experience, Jesus is is the answer. And I'm not just saying that as like slapping on <laughs> a sticker of Jesus and yeah, you'll be fine. Because no, that's not how life works at all. A verse the Lord brought to mind a few weeks ago was the fact that he's in the boat with us. You know, the disciples, because the Son of God was with them, they didn't expect them to see a storm that would shake the boat and they panicked and the Lord was like, you know, where's your faith? So even though you have Jesus Christ and you have a spirit dwelling in you, doesn't mean storm wouldn't arise. He said he will be with us even to the end of the age. He said, the righteous man has many fears, many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And it's, it's the fact that you have something to hope in. Even when Israel were being um, taken away by the Chaldeans, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army, and they were like confused on what is going on, God was speaking to them on his promise of when they were going to come back. The promise that some people weren't even going to see because it was 70 years of slavery for them. And he was saying, you will seek me and you will find me. He says, I, you know, I have for you a hope and a future. And that just, it speaks to the kind of God we have, that he, he's relentless. He doesn't give up and he stays true to his word. I mean, he followed Israel for thousands of years, even though they betrayed him and served other gods over and over and over again. Still, he stuck with his plan of bringing salvation through the Jews. And I just want to put that out there that this is the kind of God we serve. If he didn't give up thousands of years and be like, I'm done with this, blow up <laughs> everyone. Mm. If he didn't give up on those people who gave up on him several times, why would he give up on you? Why would he leave you alone? Why would you be the exception? And I just want you to have that in mind and, and know that your life is safe with Jesus. He will not disappoint. His word said he will not disappoint those who hope in him. People trust in sword and chariots and horses and money and fame and 
all sorts of things, family even, but those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed, will not be put to shame. He sits closer than a brother. When mother and father forsake you, I can testify to that. When mother and father forsake you, he will never leave you. He will take you up. He will hold you in his hands. He knows every single hair on your head. He is not a father to abandon you. He is close. He's he's closer than you think. And don't be afraid to reach out to him, even if it's just to have a conversation, but just come to him with a genuine heart and, and tell him, this is what I'm worrying about. This is this is what is on my heart. This is what I'm fearing. And just lay lay before him and just watch. He will not disappoint you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I just want everyone to just to just see the kind of God we serve. He's not one to disappoint. Thank you, Devorah, for sharing. Wow. Would you be able to close our time together in a word of prayer? Of course. Oh, Father Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to speak. I thank you for the listeners. I thank you, Lord, for through this word, you're sustaining the weary. I thank you for your strengthening your people and, and you're giving them hope. You're, you're planting hope, seeds of hope in their heart. Your word says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Your word says, through perseverance comes perfection and you pour your love into our hearts. And by, through that, we have hope and hope does not disappoint. And we just thank you, Lord, for hope in you does not disappoint. You're not the God that disappoints. And I just ask that, Lord, you meet whoever is out there, whoever is listening, that needs you, that, that needs you to show up for them. I ask that you meet them where they are and show them that hope in you does not disappoint. I ask that you make this Christmas be one of blessing be one of evidence of, of your presence, of your closeness, of your power and sovereignty, that everything, everything is in your hands, Lord. And I just pray a blessing over the listeners that you keep them, you, you let your face shine upon them, that, Lord, you plant seeds of hope and, and your love in their hearts and let it dwell richly in them, that even after Christmas, let the seeds continue to flourish in every aspect of their life, that they will even be able to influence others, family, friends around them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real-life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Be sure to like, follow, and share. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage with child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or to learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or click the link in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.